something we're doing really well right now is uh, I would say paid on, on Facebook. And I mean the, the entire process, mainly creative testing, uh, you know, keeping ideas, you know, keeping our, our flow of ideas to testing, to, to logging those ideas, uh, testing landing pages, split testing, those kind of things, you know, the whole funnel on, on Facebook is really where we're, we're doing the best right now internally and then results wise. What is up, Modern Commerce listeners? I want to show you an amazing app we've been using called Triple Whale. You can check it out. Try triplewhale.com. It has all of the business health metrics and growth metrics you could possibly need all in one place, right? So everybody can get on the same page. This has revolutionized our ability to help grow brands and collaborate with brands. Everyone can get on the same page on the most important metrics. So if you're a media buyer, you can come into this and you can just use this little pin icon right here. And you can pin to the top the most important stuff to you. So if I'm a media buyer, I might have ROAS, I might, I might have ad spend, I might have new customer ROAS, right? But if I'm an owner, maybe those things aren't as important to me. Maybe I just want, you know, net profit, show me the net profit, show me the sales, right? Show me the number of orders. Um, so everyone on the team can get in line, get, you know, on the same page of what the most important growth metrics are, because it's different for every brand. Um, so grab Triple Whale at trytriplewhale.com. Use it. I promise you it will make your growth path far more clear. And uh, enjoy this episode of Modern Commerce. Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. You're here again with Casey and John. We've got another great interview for you today. We're going to be continuing on our How to Build a Blank brand series uh john how you doing dude i'm doing good and I'm, I'm excited for the one today because we have a disruptor brand in like in a space where there is multiple disruptor brands right like you know it's they're they're a disruptor in a disruptor space right so specifically men's hygiene men's facial care men's skin care um today we have trace crawford e director of e-commerce for supply uh trace give us a little background on yourself give us, a little, give us a little background on supply yeah absolutely uh thanks for having me guys uh i'm trace crawford um i've been doing e-commerce for about uh three three and a half years now uh got into it actually in college uh looking for a little extra money on the side so i got into uh obviously did the the usual thing google how to make money online got into got into drop shipping a little bit uh, had had a little bit of success, you know. Did it in the free time, uh, and then got back into it when I graduated college in, in 2020. Uh, and then it was it was getting towards uh, the end of the Facebook arbitrage, you know, drop shipping, printing money era, and you had to start learning a little bit about about e-commerce. Um, so you know, through that, I took me to create my own brands from there. Uh, ran that for about uh, a year and a half, and then I was fortunate enough uh, from Twitter to connect with Patrick, who is uh, the founder and creator of Supply. And then uh, that was about nine months ago we connected, and I started working uh, with them as as in the head of growth. Uh, since then, I'm now the director of e-commerce, um, and with that, I do a little bit of everything. So I'm uh, I mainly the, the media buyers my my most specific skill, but like I said, I do a little, little of everything. So I'll, I'll lead our uh, overall direction with, you know, landing pages, uh, you know, offer strategy, you know, campaign strategy, you know, emails, a little bit of everything for us. Uh, supply as a whole, we are a, a men's grooming brand. Specifically, we sell razors, single edge razors. Uh, that's what we started with. That's our, our main product. Um, we currently or we just released two new razors, actually. we Now we have uh, the Single Edge SE and the Single Edge Pro. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're growing, looking to expand more into, you know, like I said, the new razors, as well as you know, skin care, beard care, all of men's grooming. Amazing, yeah. And and so Supply has a pretty cool background with Patrick. Um, and like Patrick and his wife started it, correct? Yeah, they did. Yeah, it was on Shark Tank. Um, so if you feel like you've heard of it, like, hey, isn't that? Familiar. It wasn't Shark Tank. They did get a deal on Shark Tank. Um, and yeah, no. So, it, and, and it's a tough one, right? Because uh, so, so the whole like point of this series is kind of to, to say, you know, what are the unique challenges or 
uh, unique advantages to growing various like different kinds of brands. So if we're going to call it, you know, men's grooming, right? So mm -hmm. we'd probably place supply in the same category as like a disco skincare or Huron skincare or, uh, you know, beard care brands, um, other, other razor, I mean, there's other razor brands as well. So men's grooming, men's self-care uh, sort of vein, like what is, what would you say like unique advantages are of like trying to grow in that space, right? Like what, you know, what is it about like, okay, yeah, in this space, this is a helpful thing that's like specific to us that you can't, you, you know, that isn't really true if it's an apparel brand or some other kind of brand. Yeah. Um, I mean, for us, it's, it's easy because we have a, a unique product uh, like i said we're, we're mainly a razor brand and we're not just we're not just another razor you know we're not um a copy of you know what you usually see in you know walmart or wherever you else you know you get your, your grocery store razors you know uh and we're unique we're a single edge razor uh and and a multi-blade razor uh convenient form Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it's, it's, we stand out in that regards because it's a unique product as far as like the, the skincare and the other uh, accessory products we sell, having the unique product and, and pushing, positioning ourselves, uh, through that razor, it's instead of us just trying to, you know, sell skincare, we, you know, we sell the razor and then we sell the whole routine of, uh, the experience of having a taking care of your face and getting a great shave, um, you know, and avoiding, you know, the, the razor burn, the irritations that come with some of those, you know, other razors. Um, so like I said, it's, it's the product, the unique product, and then being able to sell the entire experience that, that unique product brings. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's interesting because I think, um, like if you think about other brands that have been really big in what you know what i'll like umbrella as the men's grooming space so we'll call out a few right so dollar shave club their original sort of disruptor in the razor space right and then uh, uh i'll call out like dr squatch and uh disco skincare um typically like the the formula is exactly what you said it's not like you know uh better skincare or better personal care like it's not like this like broad idea it's more like you know, here's how you do it now, like here's the now, and here's like just a better way for this to happen, right? Like that's what Dollar Shave Club's whole message was. That's what Dr. Squatch's whole message is. And that's what even, even Disco, you know, whatever it is that they focus on, like, you know, whether it's their eye stick or what it's like, hey, here's this problem that you have. Here's this unique product that, so that solves it. Or here's what you do for shampoo right now. And that's not like what you should be doing. Here's what you should be doing, right? So it's like, you know, it, it, like the whole like point is like is not like to sell somebody on the big idea up front um typically or that's not the formula it's more like hey here's something you already buy you should buy this one instead and here's why mm -hmm. yeah that, i mean that seems to be the formula anyway so what would you say is like i mean with that in mind you know kind of disrupting someone's like i, I think you know i'll stereotype gender stereotype a little bit here like men might be a little more creatures of habit so I don't know, what would you say unique, like disadvantages or challenges are in the, in the men's kind of grooming space? Yeah. So in our space, I'll make sure I'm not mute. Okay. I'm not in our space. Uh, you know, people have been shaving using the traditional razors for, you know, years now. Um, and so those beliefs are hard set in for, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, the older, older side of our demographic. Um, so it's definitely a challenge in trying to change their beliefs those hard set beliefs over time that have been set in um especially you know because for the you know the older demographic um you know razors were you know single blades for you know, a long time you know in in the 90s and then just just lately you know i think in 2005 is when the the five blade razor actually came out and that was just essentially you know marketing of was, gillette and these other big razor companies and it, it adding, was, they just kept doing this like oh yeah oh, two blades okay we why don't we do three four at some point they were like is six too many six is probably yeah like, that's, they, you know, that's yeah. exactly what happened and so like a single blade razor was you know the the best option back then but 
you know, it got it got saturated. And so Gillette and these other large razor companies just kept adding blades to add a new mechanism to their product, right? So it was like, oh, yeah, single blade. Now we have two and three, four, and then, you know, five. Um, and so the, the market has just kind of accepted that, oh, well, more blades are better, right? We keep adding blades. It makes sense. So more blades are better, yeah. um, right? And so it's it, where there's a layer of belief that we have to convince people or change their belief of like, no, your five blade razor is actually bad. And this is why. And so this is why you need a single edge razor. So that's the first step. But once you get them there, then we have to show them why our single edge razor is better and why you should choose us over the competitors. Um, so it's, um, there's some layers there. Yeah. I, I would, I would have thought by 2022, we'd be at like 22 blade razors now. Like, right. I mean, that's that where we're going. The, that was the trend. Right. At yeah. some point, I think all the marketing departments at these brands just it was at it was at six blades that they were like, I think six is too many, guys. Like it's just it, they're gonna figure out what we're doing here, you know. Like nobody yeah. wants to go to seven. Come on, that you can't do that. Because it wasn't because it, it's not that it's more effective, right? Like you mm -hmm. you obviously know this, you know, it's not that you know two blades too it was just it's it's it was an easy way to get a differentiating message across right like it was i don't know if i would call it lazy marketing right but when in in a space that's not differentiated at all right like schick's razor is the same as gillette's razor is the same as whoever else's razor uh really at, at their core they're not all that different products uh like it was just a, the easy way to differentiate right mm -hmm. yeah it was just very easy for them to you know add the blades as a mechanism like it it's easy to add a blade you're not creating anything new you already have the blades you have to change the handle to be able to accept you know a third fourth and top at five maybe six too ridiculous um, but if it seems like five is where they've settled in and they're still like the razor industry they're still sticking to this tactic uh, mm -hmm. they still rely on mechanization mechanization i'm not exactly sure if that's the right one yeah, they still rely on new yeah like rotating heads is the other one rotating heads heated bars you know uh strips i think gillette's have a i think gillette's new is the new one is the exfoliating bar mm -hmm. um so imagine if every brand did that you know i'd rather have like one rolex than like five like timexes or what i don't know the cheap i don't i don't wear watches hey you think one watch face is good what if there's watch faces all the way around all over. You like telling time in your your home state? How about you tell time in seven countries at once? Yeah. Whoa. No, yeah. So, so okay. The what you have to do here is you you essentially have to undo years of other marketers' work, right? Um, the other and and I mean, let's be honest. It's actually it was actually pretty smart. Like I remember, I was alive when they first started advertising two blade razors, right? Um, and and then. I remember kind of thinking, and it's, I can't be the only one, like everyone else has to have noticed, like, do they just keep adding, like, is that actually better? Like, it seems like they just keep adding blades, like, mm -hmm. um, but, but you're essentially undoing, you know, years and years of other smart marketers work of like, hey, you know, you thought one was good, try two, try three, try four, you know, try this heat bar, try this rotating head, try the exfoliating thing. And you're saying like, you know, it, it, and you actually have to say, well, actually, you know, five five blades is bad for you because it actually causes skin irritation like you don't need five blades to chop the hairs off your face like the first blade does that and then the other four just scrape your skin up right mm -hmm. like you have to do that education but they have that like so so the other thing that comes into play here is efficiency right because you have to pay to get a message in front of people and and you need to do that right at some level of efficiency on a cost per acquisition basis so yeah i mean how is it that you do that to um, get the right message in front of people, undo all of that really years of really years of work and advertising that they've taken in and, and do so efficiently. Yeah. So for, for a bit, what we've been relying on is, uh, we've been using a lot of advertorials to kind of get that message across, um, of just, you know, getting them to, to ask the question or acknowledge the fact that, okay, maybe this, the razor I'm using isn't good. Um, so we'll run advertorials of like listicle kind of style advertorials been working well for us, like, you know, why men are, are ditching their multi-blade razors or the history of multi-blade razors, um, you know, things along those lines, just to give them some education. Um, and then we, 
So that's like our, our main, like top of the funnel education, but we'll send those down to uh, a quiz kind of funnel. And then throughout that quiz, right, they buy then and they get subscribed to our email and send to a welcome flow, which we then educate more on the specific razors. Um, so that's what we'll, we throw that strategy in uh, to make sure to get them to ask that question, get some education. And then following up on that, uh, what we've been really relying on heavily uh, for our paid acquisition is using our, our founder's story yeah. and using him, uh, giving him as, as like an avatar for a customer, giving his hero's journey. Uh, and for that, it's, it's, it gives the whole, the whole journey for them. So it's uh, like explains, you know, his issue and how he didn't know that, you know, why multi-blades were causing this damage to his skin, how he figured it out and then why single edge is better. And then how, uh, how our single edge is, is easier to use and better than the competition. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been working out very well for us lately. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, once you get past that barrier of education, it's probably easier. It's probably pretty easy to say, here's why ours is better because none of them care about single blades. And we do like, <laughs> you know, none of them are putting any focus into their single blade development. Um, but so yeah, spend a little bit of time on, tell me a little bit of the background of, of his story, right? Because it, it is interesting. He kind of like, created the brand out of a necessity to him and it has been on Shark Tank. And yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of go on that. Yeah. So uh, Patrick was, is the founder. He was actually an engineer, an aerospace engineer. He designed uh, and sold jets uh, for uh, Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin, I think it's called. It's actually here in Fort Worth. Um, but he was, you know, it was a, a corporate job. He had to shave every day. He was having issues with multi-blade. He was getting, you know, the, the irritation, the ingrown hairs. It was distracting to him. It was painful. And uh, he he ended up, um, you know, looking into it. He actually started a, a blog called Razorpedia and trying a whole bunch of razors. Uh, and throughout that process, he came across, you know, an old school injector razor. And he was like, this is, this is awesome, but it's old. And it kind of sucks now in some regards, like it's design-wise, it, it has huge room for improvement. And, you know, fortunately he was an engineer and was able to combine his engineering background with this, with this need. And uh, that's how we got to, uh, you know, the single edge 1.0, which then turned into the, the single edge 2.0 and now the single edge SC and the pro. So uh, does Patrick still design the new products? Yes, he does. He designed the SC and the pro himself. So I, I, here's a here's something I want to hit on here because yeah. another thing I want to talk about uh, here is like what you know uh, launching a razor brand a disruptor razor brand uh, today 2022 it would be difficult right like um, so I want to talk about something here that like is a big differentiator differentiator for you guys and that is um, if most people were to uh, launch a disruptor razor brand today in 2022 they would they would go find a razor to source and they would try to, you know, position it uniquely. And in the, you know, my call out here is, uh, many of the men's, uh, I don't, I don't want to say any brand names, uh, <laughs> and many of the men's, uh, below the waist grooming products, uh, they actually use the same product, right? Like it's the same core product, same core skew. Um, they're just putting different branding and different marketing on it, different angles, right. And trying to get to, you know, different, maybe different, customer avatars and stuff like that. Uh, you guys do not do that, right? Like you, no. you cannot go source that same razor that supply sells anywhere in China or anywhere else, period. It is a uniquely designed razor by your founder, uh, an engineer. And he, I think there's even like a patent on some parts of the design. Yeah. Uh, on the new ones we are, we're working on it. Yeah, so, so it's a, I think that's a unique advantage, right? Like it's actually not just a source. It's a, it's a very, it's a real, like true disruptor brand, not like some disruptor brands that, you know, I've just done so with positioning, which you no, know, nothing against that. That's great marketing, mm -hmm. but um, there's a unique advantage there. So um, yeah, no. So you guys kind of launched uh, mid 2010s, right? Like, is it, when did supply actually start hitting? Like, when did, when was Shark Tank, when did Shark Tank happen? Because that's, I think, when things really started taking off, right? Yeah. So I think they initially started in, in 2015, late 2015. Mm -hmm. And Shark Tank was rather late 2016 or early 2017. Right. Can't give you exact date on that. 
Yeah. And, and so, uh, saw some really great growth really in that same, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Facebook arbitrage era and, and supply has grown largely via Facebook, Instagram ads. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me about, uh, let's talk about 2020. First of all, like was 2020 a boom year for you? Was it a, like, you know, a down year for you where people are like, Oh, I don't have to shave anymore. Cause I don't have to go out. Um, or was it like a really great year, like it was for some e-commerce brands? And then let's also talk about 2021, you know, from a demand planning perspective, from an iOS 14 perspective and all of that. Yeah. So I came in uh, mid-2021. So for me personally, I, I can't speak for what 2020 was like for them. I know numbers-wise, it was a, a surprisingly really solid year uh, for them. I would have thought the same thing that you thought of, like, you know, people people aren't shaving. So uh why would I buy a razor? But, um, you know, all that stimulus money, they were like, let's, let's, let's I mean, splurge on a nice razor. I think most jobs outside of the military, which mm-hmm. they didn't have COVID breaks, right? Like most jobs now, you, you like most men shave however often they want to shave. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't have a job that requires them mm-hmm. to shave more often. So it's like, if they're comfortable with a shave every day or two days or whatever, they're going to keep doing that even with that when they're at home, because their face is going to itch. You know, whereas guys who are beard guys, you know, they're beard guys when they're working in their white collar job too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so 2020 or 2020 was a, a decent year for us. And then 2021, when in the, the iOS 14 apocalypse, you know, hit everybody, uh, that hit us, you know, pretty, pretty hard as well. Um, so the summer was, was pretty rough. I came on in, in August. Um, and, you know, since then, it, things have been better. Uh, not, you know, not because I'm just the absolute best, but, um, fortunately, yeah, fortunately for us, we, um, the, I think the, the DTC community as a whole was starting to get, get a semblance of how to navigate iOS 14. Um, you know, the third party data solutions were coming out, um, you know, people were kind of learning, you know, you know, MER and, you know, omni-channel and things like that. Um, so 2021, uh, as a whole, was a decent year for us. It, I don't think we really hit the goals that we wanted to hit, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad year. You know, the summer, um, the iOS 14 changes were hit us, but um, overall uh, we, we continue to grow. Yeah. Amazing. And how is, how, yeah, and then how have you come out the other side of that? So, I mean, some brands are still reeling a little bit, like, you know, many, like supply and, and just for, like, you know, the downsides of, of a brand like supply is um, most of your customer lifetime value is wrapped up in the first purchase. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so essentially it's like, we have to acquire profitably. And for a long time, uh, Facebook or meta now meta, uh, Facebook, Instagram created this channel where we could acquire profitably at a pretty large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and iOS has affected that, but also just, uh, we were already on this trend, right? Like, in, like, you know, from being a drop shipper, it got harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Like it was already getting less and less arbitrageable. And then 2020, 2020, I think what really happens, 2020 created this, like, there's regression, regression, where it was mm-hmm. kind of arbitrage, arbitrageable again. And then 2021 came all the way back to trend. Plus we had iOS 14, um, so, but now 2022, you know, maybe Facebook or, or Meta has adjusted iOS 14 a little bit, but we're still on trend of things being less arbitrageable. So mm-hmm. with a, with a brand like supply, right? Like, I think the biggest thing that I wonder about is, you know, it's not like you guys have done drastic increases to your prices or anything like that. Like you're, you're the CACs or the CPAs that you need are probably relatively similar to what they always have been you know, how do you adjust to, you know, just rising costs on platforms, harder, more sophisticated advertisers and harder to continue to acquire at that cost and and get the growth that you want on platform? How's it look? How's it, how's it shaking out in 2022 so far? Yeah. So 2022 so far has been honestly a a great year for us so far. We've, you know, we hit our our quarter one targets and in quarter two, we're, you know, we're looking well ahead of those. So it's been Mm -hmm. good. And I think, just the the broad answer is just you know be make better marketing you know be be better you know make better creative create better landing pages you know create better customer experiences um you know that's that's one way to obviously beat the right. the costs right and that's that's what everyone's going to talk about you know everyone talks about creative obviously that's you see that all over all over twitter like oh it's yeah. just creative creative is the biggest letter biggest you know make creative you'll, you'll be fine uh, and i agree 
uh, to an extent, you know, creative is great and they'll give you, you know, that will help with the, the rising costs on Facebook, but, um, you know, working on landing pages and, you know, learning more about your customer, you know, ironing or locking in that, that marketing message, uh, is, is more important than ever. You can't just throw, you know, just wild, broad, you know, just general statements, not good copy, not, you know, not aligned with your target market out there and, and just hope to, to be, you know, profitable, uh, on that first purchase at scale. Um, right. So like you said that, you know, that's an issue for us is that a large portion of our LTV is wrapped up in that first purchase. You know, we're our main product, you know, is a razor it's guaranteed for life. Like if, unless we release a new razor, you're, you're not going to buy another one from us. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we need to be profitable on that. Right. I mean, we obviously have some LTV we're not just entirely that first purchase, but you know, we, we need to be able to prospect, uh, profitably. Um, so outside of just being better at marketing, you know, better creatives, all that stuff, um, for us, it's, it's focusing on how can we increase that LTV? Um, and, and for LTV, I think, you know, you start talking about, okay, let's get LTV up. A lot of people are going to instantly go to, oh yeah, email, SMS, you know, let's, let's just send more emails, right? Let's send more post-purchase. Let's just get our campaigns up. Um, and better and, back end marketing. And yeah. Marketing. Better, better back end, Right. And, and that's, you know, that's like, that's like chasing the pot of gold, right? Cause is, is it, um, can y'all hear that train by the way? Yeah. Yeah. That's all right though. <laughs> uh, yeah we, we deal with it every day but um to me that's like chasing the pot of gold right because i mean you can send some more emails and, and you'll get some more revenue but you know is it worth it to bombard those customers are you actually increasing the ltv you know you're probably turning off more customers than right. you know revenue you're getting in from those those emails so for us it's um how can we create a better customer experience and get these prospects to buy into our brand uh on the front end so it's <laughs> Uh, kind of a, the hot term on Twitter, like brand, brand performance marketing or right. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Creating those ads on the front end that, you know, people can, uh, you know, get the aspirational from our brand and want to be like, want to see themselves as, you know, this guy who's, you know, clean shaven, takes care of his skin and is confident and posts to just like direct response selling razors. Right. Um, so that's, those are some of the initiatives that we've been taking to, you know, keep up performance on paid and continue to scale there. Yeah. How, um, yeah, no. And, and it's funny because it's like back to the thing at the set at the beginning where it was like, you know, Hey, the, the playbook in men's grooming is like, find one product, differentiate it from what they're doing right now. Right. So here's what you do now. You already buy this thing, that, that thing that you already buy, that's trash. Don't do that anymore. Here's why. And here's why you need this instead. And what you're saying is like, okay, the, the very hard, like it, it, it's so true that because it's like LTV, I mean, it's kind of where, I don't want to say it's where marketing ends because like good marketing and, and good teams focus on it and think about it, but they have so much less control over it than they would like, right? Like you're saying, look, we can send more emails, we can get more clever, we can get more, like, you know, we can do more split testing in our flows and all this stuff. But if you actually watch your cohorts, right, it, show, it just doesn't show up very much. But what really shows up is when people love your products and buy more of it. You know, and it's almost like you don't even need to work that hard on the marketing side. Like those are the brands that really have great LTVs. So essentially it's like what you're saying is, how do we shift on the front end from just this messaging of buy this razor to the messaging of like buy into this idea? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, when I think about it, one of the, the brands that I buy a lot from is, is actually this brand. It's called like Seek Discomfort. And like, I, I don't buy from this brand because they send me emails, right? They're not bombarding me with, you know, oh, there's a sale or we're releasing this. It's, I buy from them because I, I like, their message i like the brand they have so it's like you know yeah. keep pumping out emails right you'll get your get your ltv up but that's not it if you want people to keep buying from you like get them to like your brand right it's, yeah it's, it's the backwards way to think about it like keep pumping out emails because you might buy off of an email or you might buy off of an sms but you're really only opening that and having the intent to do that 
because you're like, oh yeah, I already like these guys' stuff. I want to see their new stuff. You know what I mean? Like I know, I know that I want to see their new stuff and I might buy it. Like, you know, that going into the, to even opening it. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, just sending someone more who doesn't have that buy-in up front, it, it's like only going to get you so far. Right. Yeah. And, and for us, since our, since our, most of our LTV is wrapped up in that first purchase, it's, we don't have the privilege of like, you know, losing money on the front end or running an offer and then trying to build that connection with the customer, you know, on the back end, like yeah. we have to make it really on that front end. Right. Cause once you buy, you're probably not going to see many of our other ads. So it's like, and, and we know through comments and, and through feedback that, that people will repeat what they see in ads, like mm-hmm. in the comments about the product. You know what I mean? If we say like, uh, you know, the Nick's dot technology does this, like we'll see people say those exact words in the comments. Right. And so it's the same thing with the brand messaging. Like if we're like, you know, get the razor, you know, take care of your skin, be confident, feel confident. Right. They'll take that message in when they buy the product. Right. And so it's, they, they'll buy the product and then they'll be biased towards that. Right. right. And then, then we can push you know, the skincare, beard care, other, other accessory products. And it's not just like, Hey, you bought a razor. Now, do you want skincare? And like, why do I care? I don't, I don't care. I, just, you, I sold me a razor. Now it's like, oh yeah, I want to have clean skin. I want to look great. I want to feel confident. Let's come on. Yeah. Like you guys, let's go. Right. Like you're, you're framing them out the right way on the front end. And from a messaging standpoint, I think the challenging thing there is you're like, how do we do that without trading off the efficiency that we have to hit? Now, is that hard? Is that difficult? Do you find that difficult? Is it like, yeah, it is. It's more difficult to find the winning messages than it is when we're just talking about the razor. Yeah, it's a bit more difficult. It's also, I mean, it's difficult from, you know, a measurement standpoint, right? Because you need time to measure, you know, LTV, the cohorts, and then you probably have to kind of to iron out or lock in messaging for a month at a time to, you know, split cohorts. So from just a measurement standpoint, it makes it difficult. Uh, And then it it definitely makes the advertising slightly more difficult because we're not able to lean into like, you know, hardcore direct response tactics and, you know, sales and offers. Uh, but fortunately for us, uh, you know, the whitelisting, you know, Patrick's story angle has been working out very, very well for us, you know, which lends itself, you know, clearly to, to this yeah. idea of, you know, brand first performance marketing. Right. So um, getting a little more tactical here, but since you are so heavy mm-hmm. into the marketing media buying, because essentially it's like, you know, this is a brand that's driven heavily by paid media. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like a, we got a profit on the front end uh, play, which is like, you know, those are getting harder and harder. There's fewer of those. So I think this like, people are, will probably be really interested in like, okay, what does that look like? Like, tell me, you know, a little bit about how, how you think about your media buying in terms of like, you know, are you really focused like granularly on what ad and message did they consume top of funnel? And what is the next thing that I'm going to target them with? Or is it kind of like, no, I just kind of test ads at each level of the you know, top, middle of prospecting, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and whatever works best works best. Um, you know, and then uh, your landing pages, your email flows, like how much work goes into that? How much focus, how granular are you getting with your focus there? Cause that's, to me, it seems like the only way, right. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Maybe it is just like, now nah, you can kind of let Facebook do its thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I, like, I, we don't run any retargeting on Facebook right now. Um, don't do any of that. I don't, I don't really stick to the typical like funnel structure on Facebook with our media buying. Facebook is where we spend most of our money. We do a little bit of TikTok, but still Facebook, Instagram is by far the bulk. Um, so I don't really lean into, you know, the retargeting. It hasn't worked for us. Like the, the idea of like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have this top of funnel message, we'll educate them. And then we'll, you know, middle of the funnel, we'll, we'll hit, uh, you know, show them how we're better. And then bottom of the funnel, we'll hit objections. That sounds great. I love the idea of that. It does not work for us. It makes it so much more convoluted. Uh, we're a small team. I do all the media buying. I do a bunch of other stuff. I, I don't have, the, it might squeeze out a little bit more efficiency if I had the, all the time in the world to manage that. I don't. Uh, and it just hasn't worked well for us. So for me, we go pretty much all top of the funnel. Uh, and it's just a, we just mix all of our messaging in the top of the funnel. And for us, it's, I, we like to align it like top of the funnel and then middle of the funnel are like two demographics, but it's 
in Facebook. It's all, you know, top of the funnel prospecting. Right. Uh, and for that, it's, you know, it's people who are problem aware, people who know they have, you know, this irritation, know that their razor sucks, but don't know there's a solution to it. So we'll kind of uh, segment that way and make messaging for them. And then we'll have like middle of the funnel, which is solution aware, you know, people that are aware that there's uh, a single blade razor or a different razor uh, could solve that irritation is better than, you know, there's a better option out there, but they don't know which razor right. it is. So we'll kind of segment that way. Um, but it's all, it's all lumped together. We just know that like, we'll just mix those marketing messages uh, and don't do any segmenting there. Like I said, I've tried to, you know, segment, split those up and do like more of an organized funnel in, in implementation. It, it doesn't work for us. That's so funny because it's like, you know, you're kind of saying what we did. And I guess maybe I'm kind of working from this assumption that like, I've got to be wrong about this. You know what I mean? Um, but like, you know, because it's just, it makes so much sense and it sounds so great, but it's the same thing for us. Like, I mean, and, and we do have, you know, campaigns stuff where we, we um, specifically target like, you know, middle of funnel engagers or, or people going to site or whatever. But first of all, your top of funnel, your prospecting campaigns, they're going to target those people already. Um, and secondly, it's like, same thing, like, it, you know, actually thinking about, like, I think it's it's such an easy idea to sell to think about, like, segmenting the message of, like, oh, yeah, these, but, and then the problem where stuff is is really top of funnel, you know, or the unaware stuff that's really top of funnel, and then we're really, we're going to hit solution aware, um, and then we're going to hit, like, our solution aware in the bottom of the funnel and stuff like that. I think it's, like, this really easy idea to sell because it sounds so good and it seems like you're working really hard, but, like, from an effectiveness standpoint, I don't know, like it just time and time again, doesn't seem to work. Like, you know what really works? Whatever ad wins top of the funnel probably wins everywhere. You know, like it's just your best ad, you know, like that's that that's kind of the thing that works, but it's it seems more lazy. So yes. uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I was just like, you know, wondering. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly what we've seen when, I, when we used to run retargeting was like, we would, I would go out of my way to create you know, new ads hitting objections you know, a whole, a ton of, you know, different things, you know, middle of the funnel things, just overall objections, throwing them into that retargeting, and they would never do near as good as what was working at top of the funnel. Yep. So for, for me, the way I think about it and the way that I tell our team is just like, think about the ecosystem of ads, right? We run most of our stuff at broad and that will create its own, uh, you know, basically its own lookalike of, of people in that, you know, that ecosystem. And they're going to get hit with, you know, all of our ads are going to get hit with our competitors ads. So like they will, we just need to have the proper ecosystem to get them to purchase when they see the messaging that's right for them at that, you know, at the specific point of the funnel, at their specific sophistication or awareness. I respect that too. In, in true like disruptor fashion, you're kind of like not afraid to buck those consensus trends right of how you should buy media right like people people tend to do that from the agency world like i kind of have like i'll say controversial too maybe like uh, when clients come to us i think they they think that you know these guys are going to get us results like they've gotten for other clients kind of doing the same thing like they know how to do it but the real secret i think the real power behind an agency is that you you've had a lot of reps sure but you're not recreating the same circumstances and running the same plays all the time the advantage maybe there is that you've seen so much that you you have like a nuanced view on maybe what particularly you should do for this new client or, or even for a client you've had for a while it's not that you go like hey we have this magic playbook that we run and it always works but sometimes clients think that so i actually yeah super super respect that move to like do what works for your brand right yeah, it's you go it, it's like if you know supply or whoever i mean well let's use a different ones if if some you know a deodorant disruptor deodorant brand came to us because we had run dr squatch which is what they do right like that's why the brands come to us a lot of the time um because we would run dr squatch which we haven't by the way but like you know using the same industry um they'd be like yeah like well, that's why we're here dude what you did with dr squatch and but then it's like okay well first of all like you know none of your circumstances are the same it's not the same time period um it's not the same like your CPA targets are not what their CPA targets were. Your business goals aren't what their business goals were. So we like literally can't run the same play, right? Like, I mean, oh, jumping to a sports analogy, Trace, I know you're a basketball guy, but like, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you know, just because, you know, a coach won a chance, just because, you know, Phil Jackson won a championship with the Bulls. I mean, I guess he did it twice, you know, switching to his triangle offense. 
that doesn't mean he can come in the NBA today and take over whatever NBA team and be like, we're going to run a triangle offense. Cause like, guess what? Triangle offense doesn't really work that well in the NBA anymore. So mm -hmm. like everybody figured that out. Like, <laughs> so it's, I mean, we, we can't just go run the play that we, the playbook that we ran with Dr. Squatch. Like you have different circumstances and different personnel and different advantages and disadvantages now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that was a, a big learning curve for me when I got started with supply was, uh, you know, not only was the iOS changes, but then trying to like, you know, understand like, well, this is best practice, but it's not working for us. And then wanting to be, you know, very structured with what we're doing. But I'm at the point now where it's like, like I said, I, I don't have all the time to just be managing a ton of campaigns and doing a whole lot in the ad account. I want to just keep it simple and do what works for us. And, and that's worked the best, you know, incidentally. Um, and so, like I was talking about with the ecosystem of ads is like, that's the way I think about it. You know, if, if Facebook thinks that somebody's interested, interested in a razor, they're going to see all the razor ads on, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, or that's ours or our competitors. Right. And so as long as we have the ecosystem in there, when they see the message that's like, that was the objection I had, or, you know, this is what I needed to hear. They'll buy, right. They're, they're hearing everything, right. They know they're getting all the information They're You know, they just need, that one thing to make them purchase. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I think about it. It goes to something I said, like, you know, I think I've talked about this on another episode or maybe not. Thinking a, a, an unpopular opinion is that I don't know if Facebook is true demand capture, right? Like the machine, the machine learning is so advanced now that even if you go broad, like really your ads aren't going to be shown to somebody who's like, wow, this is the first razor ad I've ever seen. That's really incredible. Like they're probably like the machine learning is advanced enough that they're probably seeing, like you're saying, they're seeing competitor ads that they're, they're like already educated from your ads and other people's ads. And the fact that they are kind of in market for a razor or an affinity audience for a razor, even if they don't know it yet. Right. So that's like really Facebook is that's, that's why it got so effective is because it, it took that demand capture capability of Google and like pushed it up funnel at least a little bit. So it's more scalable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You're essentially working from the standpoint of like, you know, we're not showing ads to people who've like never heard any message about racers before, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, like if, if we were going to set up our funnel, like in that organized fashion, like top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, like I'd previously talked about it, like problem aware, solution aware, that would be essentially assuming that every, the, the bulk of our market was all unaware they did not, had not seen a single blade razor ad or just known anything about single blade razors and that that was all top of the funnel and then all that middle of the funnel ads, all that messaging about how we're better in comparison was just all going to be stuck for people who had seen that. Like uh, that's just wouldn't, doesn't work, right? Like a huge portion of the market's already in that middle of the funnel, right? And they're not going to see that unless they, you know, watch the percent of this first video or click on it, uh, whatever those parameters are. And, and they don't care. They, they already know that stuff. So they're not going to stop and watch. They're not going to click. And you just miss a huge portion of the market if you think about it like that. Also, awareness is a grayscale, right? Like, it's not like I was problem aware, but not solution aware. And now I've seen this ad, so I am now solution aware. Like, mm -hmm. people have different levels of recall. People watch different. It's just like, you know, I mean, it's a great, even if somebody watched 95% of a video, it doesn't mean they remember any of it right or that they were even looking at their phone while it was playing like they could have completely been looking at something else right like mm -hmm. yeah. you're essentially saying that like you know to assume that we want to show a message to only people who are at this point and then after that they are now in this point like you're kind of ignoring the fact that it is this crazy mm -hmm. scale, right so no i like it it's a it's a good take so um Talk to me about, I, I have a couple of standard questions that I like to ask brand people. And so the first is, and, and I know that, you know, maybe you don't have a strong opinion about this, but uh, um, specifically Patrick does or, or Supply does. Um, we talk a lot about using agency versus building in-house. Obviously you are in-house, right? You guys are yeah. media buying in-house, doing a lot of your marketing function in-house. And I know that a lot of that is because uh, Patrick has used agencies in the past, mm -hmm. but uh, specifically believes that like in-house is, is kind of objectively better. So I, I mean, I guess subjectively, cause it's his, his opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and not everyone believes that, but yeah, now talk to me about, I guess, supplies official sort of, uh, like thinking on using vendor partners, agency partners to help with 
various functions of the business. Yeah. So like you said, we're all in house. Um, and Patrick has probably a stronger opinion than I, cause he has used you know, agencies in the past. Uh, I think for him and I can't fully speak for his opinion here. Um, I think for him, it was just that he just wasn't getting the, getting the full attention that he needed from agencies. They weren't, you know, they hand you off to an account manager or, um, and give you to another media buyer and then they just you know kind of run run the playbook and i'm not that's not all agencies um but i think that was kind of our experience and i think ios 14 was a tipping point of when everything kind of shifted uh and then just you know the lower level media buyers where else was was managing the account just wasn't um wasn't wasn't getting it done it wasn't uh it wasn't really in the weeds of the business you know caring about fixing this issue and, and growing the business um, so i think that was the big shift for patrick uh, and just wanting to build this in-house team. Um, mm. And for me, I've never, like, I worked at an agency, but it was a direct mail agency for a little bit. So I can't speak to uh, typical, you know, you know, growth agencies or Facebook media buying agencies. Uh, I prefer in-house. I really enjoy it uh, just because, I mean, there's a compounding effect here of just our team is, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about ideas and Mark and then what our marketing looks like. Uh, you know what we've tried what we haven't tried and it, like i said it compounds uh, over time you know with with an agency you bring you, know, you bring agency in they uh you know do the discovery call they you know do the research like all right let's, let's run these um and there's just you know if the agency stays with the company for a while then you know they'll maybe take some of that stuff in but you know they might cycle in media buyers cycle in account managers you know the in-house team is you know like we're all bought in. We all understand the brand. We all understand the messaging. We understand what, what we've tried and what we still, you know, need to try. And we're all just you know, passionate about it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, look, uh, I, I think you know, uh, it seems like agencies took supply a pretty long way, right? Like, because mm -hmm. for a long time until iOS fourteen hit. But uh, it is. I mean, there's something there to be said for like, if you were working with a media buyer at an agency, um, and and your brand is a challenging one. In the, in the post iOS 14 world, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, look, we don't have space to not be profitable on first purchase. And if we're not profitable on first purchase, we're going to know right away, right? Like it's not going to take a month or two for us, for it to catch up to us. And it's like, oh, it'll be okay. We just need to figure it out. It's like pretty quickly, we're going to be in the red overall if we're not mm -hmm. profitable on that acquisition cost because we're really heavily reliant on, on paid media. And those were the hardest, I mean, just straight, you know, forward those are the the hardest you know that was the hardest stuff to manage in you know probably from about june 2020 through i mean holiday season when things are always good right mm -hmm. um and it like so yeah i mean straight up like they're just june 2021 sorry through holiday season when when things you know aren't good now those are also the most fun to manage when things are going well right yeah. to scale uh, and so if you like scaling it's like Okay, like you're gonna, you know, do so. I think a lot of it has to do with the people, the personnel, right? Like we specifically have a team in our agency that likes that. Like that's like, yeah, you know, we're gonna have the crappy times, and we're gonna have the clients who, you know, when things aren't there, they're gonna know right away, and they're gonna be on us, and we're gonna have to, uh, you know, talk to them and try and figure it out. But when things are there, we get to scale, and that's yeah. You know, and so, uh, which is like, you've probably experienced that now where it's like, oh, something cracked, something worked and you know, right away, because it's all like, it's like, there's no support revenue here. Like there's very little support revenue here. This isn't coming from something else. This is because this ad popped off and now we get yeah. to see it and that's fun. Um, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's an interesting take. So I think, um, yeah, I, tell me about what you so so one other question i like to ask on these mm -hmm. is as an internal person like you worked at a direct mail agency i did um, but but as an internal person like it, at a brand i think you get deep on a lot of stuff right like or, or you get deep on one brand and and you so brought on a lot of different marketing functions but deep on one brand right so it's like mm -hmm. you probably know a little bit about building landing pages you could probably put one together yourself and other people like Casey and I could do that as well, but not every agency person could, um, you know, you know, you probably know a little bit about running Google ads. You could probably do it yourself a little bit mm -hmm. or you might do it yourself. I don't know. Yeah, I do. um, yeah. So, you know, a little bit about running Google ads. You probably know a little bit about like uh, using a feed and optimizing your feed. You guys probably don't have a super complicated feed, but mm -hmm. um, 
probably know, you know, you know about TikTok ads, you know about like email, like you kind of know a lot of things about, and you go deep on a brand. And like you said, there's this compounding effect of having a little bit of awareness about a lot of different marketing functions. And I think that's like a super big benefit. But one thing I wonder is like, when you are in-house, what do you feel like you miss that people who see a bunch of brands like us, like see, like if you could ask someone, Hey, you know, without selling me something, they're like, tell me, you know, this is the question I have for people who see what's going on across a lot of brands. Yeah. Um, so like managing one brand, like you said, I get a little bit of everything, but I only manage one brand. So if something, you know, works or something doesn't work or something breaks, I have no idea if that's something that I did or if that's, you know, platform industry as a whole like yeah. this past week or so we've had some issues with cpms uh and you know cost per click things like that rising on facebook and i was i'm over here like hypothesizing what what i possibly could have broke or what broke on our end and yeah. then you know i'm not i don't see a bunch of brands i don't know what's happening and you know when i test things you you only get to test it you know at once you know you can't get uh, confirmation that costs multiple accounts yeah yeah, that's interesting. So it's it, it, I take it for granted, right? Because it's like if we have a, a a big CPM bump, right, or something like that in an account, like quickly, easily, we can go just check what you know. We can just let this test across accounts. Hey, is this an industry? Okay, yeah, this is a platform wide thing, and then we can even filter down to similar industry accounts, right? So it's like it's a platform thing. Is this an industry thing? Did we probably have just a big competitor come in and start buying up a lot of ads? Like, you know, what happened here? Um, and we can just litmus test that so fast. And it, it's like, it is, it's hard to remember that. Like, oh, when you're in, if I was only on one account, I would have all those same, like, did I do something? Did And I guess it ultimately maybe doesn't matter, right? Like you still have to figure it out either way. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think that the, the fear of like, especially media buying is like, is this a short-term thing, which is, and this is maybe where you, this gets amplified when you're just working on one brand. Is this a short-term thing or is this just like the new world and I got to mm -hmm. deal with this level of CPM now? Like, you know what I mean? Whereas I think with agency, like we maybe see the trends happen more, right? Yeah. As well as like just outside of the ad account, you get to see multiple brands, right? You get to get inspiration from you know, different industries. You see, you know, different pages, different offers, you know, what what industries are doing good what what ads are doing good you get to see it all right i mean fortunately i you know i use twitter and i see people you know tweet their experiences but that's you know only a small 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 percentage of our you know of our industry so um you know running the just running our brand you know it's it's easy to get you know you know stuck in the weeds of just seeing you know what we're doing and possibly like our, our direct competitors and then you don't get to see you know what's working, you know, macro in, in the entire, you know, DTC, you know, e-commerce space. You can only guess at stuff with your direct competitors. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't really, you don't really know. It's like, you're like, uh, based on how long they've been running that, like, I kind of think that's doing well, but like, you can only kind of guess at it. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's almost like be worth launching like a, you know, like here's a industry report. And I think there are some of those out there, but like, you know, sometimes, I, sometimes they're not like, they're not like super highly useful. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So, um, yeah. So tell me one thing. So tell me something like, cause, cause it's interesting. Like when you say like, we have so many brand reps, if I look at a brand like supply and I look at the roadmap and I'm like, how does this brand grow? You know, ultimately it's like, I think you're doing a lot of the legwork stuff, but ultimately I see it as like, you know, you either got to grow by distribution and going into retail, going to Amazon, going to all this, or you have to essentially become a media company, right? And, and get just so many eyeballs top of funnel for in, ed, entertainment, informational content type of stuff that isn't specifically focused on the razor, just like, you know, top of funnel, true content. Um, you know, like something like, uh, I don't know, the Ring Brand we talked to recently, like they have a huge YouTube channel, almost a million subscribers in the makerspace where they make like weird rings out of like weird materials and stuff like that. Right. And it, but they have a brand, right. Um, like that kind of stuff, right. That's typically how I see brands like supply that are, you know, not a high LTV brand grow. So what do you, I mean, the question I have is like, you know, what, what is the roadmap for supply? Do you guys think, Hey, we think we still have a lot of space left to grow in, in D to C or is that kind of the roadmap? Yeah, I think we definitely have a, a huge, huge room to grow in DTC. 
um, you know, we're, we're, we probably, we advertise primarily to just the U S and so we could expand there, you know, internationally get some other countries in the mix more, um, you know, as well as there's a lot of other channels that we can, you know, grow on. I think we still have room to grow on Facebook, which is our, our main driver right now, but, you know, mm-hmm. grow more on YouTube and our TikTok presence is, has been solid. Uh, so our organic has about, you know, five, five to 600,000 followers now. Yeah. Um, so that's been a good channel for us. We haven't really been able, been able to unlock paid consistently. Um, yeah. So just, you know, different channels, uh, you know, things like expanding, uh, you know, our product line, we just, we just launched the SE and the pro not too long ago, expanding into, you know, some international uh, or just some opportunities to grow there, just DTC, but we're also looking to get onto Amazon you know, very soon, uh, you know, into this quarter, uh, next quarter for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then past that, um, you know, ho- hopefully some retail. Uh, I, I can't really, I can't speak on that right now, but uh, yeah. Hopefully, in the future, we're looking towards some of those other growth channels. You might not be the one who gets to decide that, but yeah, yeah no, I hear you. And it's, uh, you're right. Yeah, it's distribution. You know, global distribution is definitely an unlock for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, channel distribution across more paid media channels, though, it is hard to, outside of Facebook, Google, you know, it's, it's hard to squeeze out more efficiency. I will say that for a lot of our brands that are in a similar category, our media mix has definitely changed. And it sounds like I didn't ask you this much. Um, but it sounds like yours maybe has not as much, but our media mix has definitely changed to have your Google where we're like doing a little bit more prospecting on the Google side, right? Where uh, we're getting a little bit more broad with our shopping campaigns or search campaigns. And, and that is actually like driving more full, you know, channel efficiency than Facebook, um, which you have to look at outside of the actual Google ecosystem. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think there's probably, there's plenty of room, right? Like, and that's, I'm not trying to say like, Hey, yeah, you're totally, you know, stunted, but it's interesting how much, I think that what I'm really getting at is is it's crazy. Like how much you really can get out of a a strong brand with a strong product, right? Like you actually Mm -hmm. truly have a unique product. Um, you can go, I mean, you guys have been five, seven years now, right. Mm -hmm. You know, direct to consumer pretty much only on paid media, driven by paid media, right? And that's the kind of thing that most people, if you look at DTC Twitter right now, so that's a, it's really a huge props to you because if you look at DTC Twitter right now, most people are like, oh, that's those are the brands that are going extinct, right? And um, and you guys are having a great year. So uh, that kind of leads me to my next question. So I'll, I'll hit on uh, I'll hit on first. Let, let's go let's go with uh, with this one first. So. What would you say that supply is doing really well right now? It could be really tactical if you want. It could be something else. What would you say that supply isn't doing well right now? Like you think you need to crack, you know, something else in order to get it like unlock. Mm-hmm. Something we're doing really well right now is uh, I would say paid on, on Facebook. And I mean the, the entire process, mainly creative testing, and, you know, keeping ideas, you know, keeping our, our flow of ideas to testing, to, to logging those ideas, uh, testing landing pages, split testing, those kind of things, you know, the whole funnel on, on Facebook is really where we're, we're doing the best right now internally. And then results wise, uh, where we're not doing as well as, uh, you know, like an omni channel, I would say that we're, we're way too focused on Facebook. Um, we, like we've used TikTok a bit. We haven't, you know, cracked the code there. Uh, we haven't really gotten on YouTube and our Google presence is as good as it can be. Um, so that's where we're not doing well on the paid side. Um, I want to give you something that's not, that's not paid media. Right. Um, I mean, we talked a little bit before. I think landing, you were kind of saying like landing page, like more focus on landing pages for yes. your paid media has mm-hmm. been like a really big, like game changer for you this year. Yes. Yeah. They, they absolutely have been. Yeah. So just driving better conversion rates, better earnings per, per session, stuff like that. Um, yeah. All right. And then, then the last thing is, I know just a little bit of background on you. If people are listening this to, deep into the episode, I happen to know you played college hoops, which is pretty impressive being, a standing all of five foot 10, um, with shoes. Yeah. yeah with shoes, with shoes. You know, on tippy toes on a like you know a really good confident day yeah um, chest high yeah so so uh we play, played some college hoops so i know you're i know you're a sports guy i know you at least like basketball we've talked mm-hmm. a lot of basketball um 
what are, you know, what are some things you learned from either sports or just analogies you take from sports? Like the earlier, I used kind of the triangle offense analogy uh, that you apply to business that you're like, you know, this is actually like a really great, you know, framework in the, in the sports world that applies really well to, you know, like my day-to-day work in business. Yeah. I think the one that I think about is uh, practicing the fundamentals uh, for, for, I'll use the analogy for paid media, right? Like everyone talks about creative and that's great. Like creative to me and testing like big new creative ideas is like, it's like the step back game winning three. Like you, you hit and you scale to the moon, you'll, you'll tweet it or you'll tell them like, oh, this creative was great. But um, it's like you practice the fundamentals to get there. And so for us, it was, you know, getting the fundamentals and getting the reps of getting our internal system ironed out of how we're going to get these creatives, how we're testing them, right? This, this past month, we've had a winner that's allowed us to scale, but we didn't get there just from launching ideas and, you know, shooting step back threes going for the win. We, you know, we were working on our system, keeping that log, testing things, iterating continuously, which is, you know, that's the fundamentals, you know, that's the things you don't see. It's what got you there. It's, you know, it's the jump stop, landing on two, it's the pump fake, those kind of things, your free throws. Yeah, even even more fundamentals, right? Like, so first of all, I want to like, so step backs is a great example because it is, a, it's like a very sexy, sexy mm-hmm. shot, right? Uh, and it's like kind of this unguardable thing, but I want to hit on a couple of things to actually perform a good step back. Like you need, you have to sell the drive, right? Like you have to actually sell that you're coming forward. Other, otherwise your defender will actually be able to cover that step back. Mm-hmm in order to sell that you're coming forward, you have to have a, a good handle, right? It doesn't look like it when NBA players do it because they have a great handle. So it doesn't seem like you have to have a good handle, but you have, like the number, the amount of dribbling drills, just straight up stationary or moving or whatever two ball drills that you have had to have done to perform a step back that looks as good as like an NBA, like a James Harden step back is it's insane. Like you have to have done a lot of like taps through the legs, figure eights, all of these things just to like, you know, dribble once between and step back, right? And and like have a handle on it to like have it in your hand, right, to shoot. And then the same with footwork, because the step back is this like sort of fading shot, like you have to have great footwork. So you have to have done so many footwork, so much mm-hmm. footwork work, right? And that's all fundamental stuff that like you can't even do the move at all, right? Like you could go to the gym and try a step back, not having done any of that, and it would not look anything like a no, step back. That wouldn't be good at all. Yeah, it wouldn't be good at all. And you probably wouldn't even hit the rim with the ball. Like it, you have to have done all that work just to even execute the move at all. Right. So yeah, I love that one. I love it. Yeah. Like you can you can do the step back, get the space, but you gotta make the shot. So it's like if the creative in this example is like the step back, get in the space, like you know, if your your landing page isn't ironed out, if your logistics aren't you know, set up your customer service, like that shot's not going to go in and you're not going to win the game, scale the winner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's shockingly hard to have your hand in the right position on the ball and to get your like follow through right and all of that stuff, right? Like you have to actually have those fundamentals down to hit the shot, right? So yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Hold on guys. Before, before we move off of sports analogies, <laughs> I got one because something you said in the middle of the episode, Trace, it kind of triggered this in me and I am a total casual for basketball. Okay. So you guys feel free to correct me. No worries. I used to watch a little bit. I think I might be a little bit older. I used to watch a little bit more basketball, maybe in like the early 2000s, right? And the game has definitely changed, right? It drives me crazy when I watch somebody flop. For a goat discussion, uh, it drives me crazy. I'm like, how could the best player of all time be flopping all over the place? Sorry. You know, don't at me. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but okay, so when, when iOS 14 hit... That felt like to me, like some of these players who like play the refs instead of play the game, they don't have the fundamentals. Maybe they're flopping all over the place. They compared to the people back in like the nineties, like the MJs, you know, there were different, you know, they you had to score the buckets. I feel like, I don't know. That's, that's my thing. Total casual, but felt like when iOS hit, it was like a time machine a little bit, right? You had to go back to fundamentals quite a bit more. You didn't, you couldn't just rely on getting good at Facebook. You had to be good at marketing to make your marketing on Facebook work. So what do you guys think as far as like that? Like, that's kind of like basketball taking like a little bit of a jump back. I know I'm missing so many nuances, but from one man's point of view, what do you think of that? There are certain, there are certainly scores in the NBA who get a generous boost from the stripe every, every game. And uh, they'll have games where they aren't getting the calls that they want and they do struggle. 
uh, I mean, at the NBA level, they're usually pretty good at scoring anyway, but, but yeah, like, I mean, we've seen that, I've seen that happen to James Harden in like, I don't know, a few years back in the series with the exactly Warriors. I was going to say, yeah, he, he stopped getting the calls because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the fan favorite. And I don't know, not that, not to say that the refs call for the fan favorites, <laughs> you know, the NBA isn't the WWE, I suppose, but I don't know if it's as far off as maybe we think, but, uh, but yeah, like he stops getting the calls and, and he can still score, but it is like very frustrating. He doesn't get all that assistance from the stripe. I mean, there was a time in that playoff series when they went to the Western conference finals, or maybe it was the semifinals with the warriors. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he had been averaging 10 to 15 from the line at night. So it's like, yeah, he's putting up, you know, 30, but half of them, the third to half of them from the line. So, and Facebook provided that, like, it's like Facebook would give you all the calls, right. And give you all of that assistance from the free throw line. So yeah, all right. I like the analogy. I'll, I'll allow it. I mean, Trace is the expert, though. So I mean, sorry. yeah, sorry. I mean, I cut in there, but that was a good one. Okay, yeah. yes. Like, like, yeah, I, I mean, people always want to see like, what if LeBron played in the '90s? I'm like, we kind of got a glimpse of that. You got, you saw a lot of people fall, a lot of brands fall off when when that hit. So that I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, well, cool. Right. Um, Trace, I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for for hopping on with us. And um, yeah, Casey. I guess say the YouTube stuff. Take us out, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for joining us, Trace. It's been wonderful having you on the show. John, thank you for lining up. Oh, yeah, totally, dude. John, thanks for lining up all the questions. I know you put a lot of prep into these things. Um, it's, it's turning out great. I'm loving this, this series we're doing. Modern Commerce, if you made it this far into the episode, surely you liked it, right? I mean, why were you watching for an hour if you didn't like the video? So, Go ahead and like the video, please. Hit that little thumbs up button. Uh, let people know that you liked it so other people can come and enjoy it too. Hit that subscribe button so you're subscribed to the channel. I think YouTube likes it. It'll help us out. Help us out a little bit. Come on, ModCom. Um, you know, hit that bell icon. If you don't know what that does, it'll notify you when we drop new stuff on the channel. So if you, if you like the videos, why wouldn't you want to know when we drop new ones? Uh, and as always, until next time, we'll see you.